0: Hello and welcome to a Sunday, April 17th, playoff edition of the Sports Ethos DFS Today podcast. As always, I'm your host, Harris Kermani, and today we have a packed four-game slate of exciting playoff matchups, game ones across the board, day two of the NBA playoffs after a rollicking start on the first day. Maybe not so much for me personally, because we took a big L, 20 points to the Philadelphia 76ers. But in general, the playoffs have gotten off to a wonderful start. A lot of sick games, a lot of great debuts for first-time playoff rookies and or just first-time playoff entrants. So we're going to have to see how that continues to be a theme as we get into the remainder of these matchups starting off. And Today, it's going to be four games that start off at 1pm going through your entire Sunday. So another great day of basketball lined up and we are here to look into just where all the value is going to be coming from because some of these prices are in a really, really attractive spot. So we're going to get right into that. But of course, as always, shout out to our sponsor, Thrive Fantasy, where if you haven't got your daily prop fix going into it, where are you going? Absolutely on Thrive Fantasy, you have the opportunity to be able to go ahead and select players based on their over and under. Pick where you think they're going to end up on the day, and you will win real cash prizes. At this point, they've given up over $7 million in prizes and continue to do so on a daily basis And as a loyal listener of the DFS Today podcast, if you use the promo code ETHOS, E T H O S, you will have your deposit up to $100 matched to 100%. So definitely get over to thrivefantasy.com, sign up, and prop up today. So starting off our playoff day today is going to be Atlanta going into Miami for their game one of the playoff series. Atlanta, of course, winning from the play in route. Becoming yet again a number nine seed that's able to go ahead and knock out the Cleveland Cavaliers in this case to take over that eight seed and have themselves a date with the Miami Heat in a game that has a two twenty and a half and a half total with the Miami Heat favored to win by six and a half. Now, of course, coming in to the game itself, we saw that Clint Capella, who had gotten himself injured in that last playing game, has been said to be out for at least a week, and that's going to be highlighting the main area of their injury report, alongside Lou Williams, who is also out. However, on more positive note, for the Atlanta Hawks, the... John Collins is finding himself back in the lineup, really looking like he's gutting himself out there. Both his finger and foot have been of concern for the last little while now, but he gets himself on the floor for Game 1, and we're going to have to see what actually ends up happening as far as minutes restrictions are concerned and as far as his overall efficiency and effectiveness is concerned. So definitely a big, big story to look into as the game gets out. And on the Miami side itself... Most guys looking like they're good to go. Mino you know Tyler Hero was held out of the last game, and he is now off the injury report coming into this game here. So he should be absolutely good to go. Uh, beyond that, uh, we have Dwayne Dedman sitting questionable, Gabe Vincent sitting questionable, though he is also intending to play on this matchup as well. Same situation goes with P.J. Tucker as well. So really, as far as the Miami Heat are concerned, we should be seeing their major guys all out there on the lineup. Starting off with the Atlanta Hawks, though the major guys is exactly where we're looking at, and you never look past Trey Young, sitting at a price tag that is under 10k, coming in at 9,800, coming off a spectacular game up against the Cleveland Cavaliers, where he went ended up dropping 57 DK points en route to a 107-101 victory against the Miami Heat. Though he hasn't been nearly as successful during the regular season, but again, as we've seen in the past, a lot of that translates very differently when the usage spikes up that little bit further. With Clint Capello also further out as well, Trey is going to be just that much more involved in terms of making sure that either his teammates are getting into the uh, into the offensive sets or, plain and simple, what he's going to have to do, which is take more of that offensive responsibility. And at a price tag less than 10 k he's definitely one of the guys that I am looking to target pretty heavily just because I believe that even though this game necessarily won't go the way of the Atlanta Hawks, it is going to be kept pretty close, more so than that six and a half uh, game spread may potentially indicate, which means Trey Young is going to have to get busy. He's going to have to get involved. So at 9,800, definitely keep a big, big eye on that. And that could be a great spot to be able to start off your matchup because as we're going to see, as we're going through this entire slate, there's a lot of superb, superb options sitting in that seven to 8,000 range today, which could very well make it so that you don't necessarily need to invest in a lot of studs. Just get a lot of these sc- mid-tier guys to go ahead and finish up your lineup that being said outside of that uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich continues to be a guy that I do like and target relatively heavily anytime his price tag is sitting below that 6,000 mark which is where he's at right now we saw in 29 minutes in the Cleveland game as well put up 35 DK points in that And his price tag is actually taking a little bit of a discount from there. So at 5,600, three games he's played against Miami this year, has not shot the ball particularly well, 38% from the field in that matchup, but was still able to put up 30 DK points. And he's going to be really required quite heavily to be that secondary ball handler for the Atlanta Hawks, take a little bit of that pressure away from Trey Young. And for them to have any sort of success, he is going to have to get hotter from three than he has been in the previous matchups up against them. But the wild card is going to be John Collins, and really at 5,300, there's just so much to like here from a potential guy who can really turn around a playoff matchup, a playoff DFS matchup for you as well, as far as tournaments are concerned. Of course, we're going to have to keep an eye out on what his minutes restriction is going to be. If we find out something about that specifically before the one o'clock lock, then maybe things change. But as it stands at 5300 and the fact that he has that dual eligibility at power forward and center, I am willing to go ahead and take that risk on a personal basis. Just the fact that it is a big matchup for him. It is going to be you know, his first playoff game since last year, his first game in general since March 11th. He's going to be looking to go ahead and really get himself out there, rearing out there, really try to make up for the fact that they are up against a Bam Adebayo on the other end and with no Clint Capella as a buffer on your end, he's going to have to go ahead and really gut it out there. Worst case scenario, in my mind, is if he plays somewhere in the low to mid 20 minutes and he still has the capability to be able to hit up somewhere in the uh, mid 20s as far as DFS points are concerned, That is obviously not the greatest line that you're looking to expect. But to me, that is going to be his floor. While, of course, we've seen what his ceiling can be if he plays any sort of regular minutes here. So I think they're going to be taking it by ear, seeing how his warm-up comes out and how he really feels once the game starts. But I do think he'll get into that uh, high 20s as far as his minutes are concerned, which should be more than enough for him to go ahead and do pretty well as far as his price tag is concerned. Outside of that... I'm not really, really interested in being able to take into a Gallinari or Kevin Herder, even though their price tags aren't you know, totally terrible or anything. In the 4,000s, there's a pretty decent spot that they could potentially get to you know, 30 DK points if they are able to get their shot going. Gallinari, for instance, was not able to do so in the Cleveland game. And in general, Kevin Herder just didn't play enough as far as his usage is concerned and his ancillary stats are concerned to be able to go ahead and get his price tag paid off. So not really looking too much into there. It's going to be the major guys for me. Moving on to Miami itself, and this is where these price tags are super exciting to me. I already spoke about the injury report being pretty much good to go, but Jimmy Butler, let's start with that, at 8,400, is in a great spot to be able to go ahead and absolutely smash this lineup. In three games against Atlanta, dropped 37 DK points in that one. Uh, Shot 46% from the field, was able to get the rest of his ancillary stats as he usually does, but we know that he ups his game as far as the postseason is concerned. We've seen that year in, year out, and in a team where he is going to be the undisputed leader, the other guys are going to be looking to get him to set that tone. I do believe Jimmy Butler is going to be dollar for dollar one of the best studs to be able to take tonight. As far as game totals, going back to this concern, this isn't the highest one of the night, but the good thing is no real game overall is really smashing that overall game total. They're all in the 220s, which means that I'm not necessarily seeing that as a big reason to not take one stud over the other, and Jimmy Butler is going to be the major stud that I am targeting over here. Beyond that, Tyler Hero at 6900 is absolutely in play. But between him and Kyle Lowry, most nights I'll end up taking Kyle Lowry, and especially in a playoff scenario in which he's going to be more of that assist guy. His field goal attempts are likely going to take a little bit of a boost northwards because they're going to need more of that offense coming from the outside. As great as Jimmy Butler is, he's never going to be that three-point threat. And if Tyler Hero is not hot, then it's really going to be Kyle Lowry that's going to be needed to be picked up here. And this is the reason why he showed up on the Miami Heat, why he has taken this leap to try and get his team into a scenario where he could potentially compete for another ring. So I totally expect that aggressive and intense Kyle Lowry to come out. And at 6,000, he's going to be my favorite Miami Heat to target outside of Jimmy Butler. I am, you know, I guess saying that Adebayo is obviously going to be in play for 8,000, but in general... I'm going to say that of the centers that I am looking at, or of the front court that I'm looking at, I'd rather take a gamble with someone like a John Collins for $3,000 less and see if he can do something to hit about 5x there, rather than knowing that I'll probably get a solid 35 to 40 with Bam Adebayo and. Not really have that same level of upside because his usage is never just going to be there to be able to get that. He needs his defensive stats and his rebounding uh, to be able to go ahead and get up there. I'll have to see how that happens after game one. But from this perspective right now, Butler and Lowry is where I am looking most as far as Miami's concerned. Moving on to the second game. And this is probably the one with the most amount of storylines coming in. Of course, Brooklyn going into Boston for game one of their series. 225.5 game total, the Boston Celtics favored to win by four. And if there's a spicy playoff series in the first round over here, this is one. With the Brooklyn Nets securing the seven seed with their play in victory, they come in with the Ben Simmons question mark continuing to be there. He is going to, at some point, play during the series from what we've been understanding. They're hoping that he's going to be available as early as game four. We'll have to see what happens there. Outside of that, the injury report is pretty good for the Brooklyn side, with only Joe Harris continuing to be out and Edmund Sumner, of course. On the Boston side itself, the big news continues to be that Robert Williams is out for the entire season, and it's going to be up to the rest of them to go ahead and make up for that in a matchup that is really going to stretch their offensive and defensive resources all the way to be able to handle exactly what Brooklyn is going to be throwing at them as far as their offense is concerned on the Brooklyn side of things it starts and ends with the big two that we have over there both of them sitting north of 10,000 Kyrie Irving 10,200 Kevin Durant 10,800 and this is where you're looking at your narrative side of things and seeing do you want to go with Kevin Durant who dropped 59 in that matchup against Cleveland has taken a pretty massive dive as far as his price tag is concerned, you probably probably start off at a level set as far as the playoffs are concerned and kind of go up from there. I expect that Katie's going to get closer to that mid 11,000s as far as you know, a couple of games in are concerned. So from that perspective, for a guy who needs to hit 54 in a playoff game to be able to go ahead and get 5x, I am feeling much more comfortable with that than with, uh, with any of these other studs that I've looked at so far. That being said, narrative comes big and that's why Kyrie at 10,200, a guy who also dropped 59 against Cleveland, against his old team there, now gets a series against another old team and one where he left on not the greatest of circumstances, right? That meme image of him stepping on the Boston Celtics logo is going to remain and I have a feeling that he is going to get all that he can handle from the Boston crowd and what should be an incredibly hostile atmosphere all the way through. But Kyrie's the kind of guy who's just thrives on something like that he only played one game against Boston this entire year in which he dropped 38 DK points on that one and I expect him to do a lot better than that because in general outside of Nick Claxton I'm not really all that interested in the ancillary pieces of the Brooklyn Nets we saw Claxton got up to 30 minutes in that Cleveland matchup and I expect that with with the Boston Celtics having their front court be that little bit beleaguered with Rob Williams out they're going to be forcing a Daniel Tice up there maybe some Luke Cornett But really, it's going to be them going small to try and handle that. And you could see Brooklyn throw out a Nick Claxton to put a little bit of a wrench in all of that and see if they can force Boston to play at a pace that that they may not be necessarily comfortable with. So between Kyrie and Kevin Durant, I'm going to go ahead and say Kyrie might actually be the guy to be able to take from there just because of that revenge narrative and the fact that he's going to be looking to establish himself early in a matchup that is going to be one to watch all the way through, and we're going to get to see that at 3.30. On the Boston side, same old story with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown leading up from the front. 10000 is the price tag for Jason Tatum, which is always, you know, me personally, he's definitely been a guy who gets that relatively consistently, is able to get about 5x for that. But we haven't really seen throughout the season too many of those 60-plus type of games. You'll have the odd one where he's able to go off and get into that perspective. But he has been Mr. Consistent all the way through. So to me, his price tag is pretty fair. And if I'm looking at the studs in between this game, I'm definitely looking more on the Brooklyn side rather than uh, looking into a Tatum for 10,000. But where I will have exposure, first and foremost, is always going to be with Marcus Smart. I just am a broken record as far as that's concerned. His price tag to me is absolutely insane. 5500 just has so, so much upside for him to just absolutely smash that. We know in a playoff scenario, things change even further. Outside of the fact that he dropped 35 on average in the four games in the regular season on Brooklyn, here he's going to take that further step up as far as his offensive role is concerned. We've seen it last year, we've seen it the year prior to that, Marcus Smart in general will get himself that much more involved in the offense, that much more involved in all things as far as the game is concerned as kind of the chief architect of Boston's defense as well as their entire tenacity and that entire level of I wanna say Patrick Beverliness that he's gonna go ahead and bring into this game as well. So altogether at 5,500, I'm easily looking at him to be able to smash 5x on here. He could easily be a 6-7X for that price tag. So definitely a big, big piece for me as far as my lineups are concerned. And the other where other side that I am interested in is Al Horford. This is the time in which Al Horford gets himself back to normal as far as his production is concerned, as far as his usage is concerned. We saw a little bit of that to go ahead and end the regular season in which he dropped 34 or more DK points in four of his last five games, which is great already as far as his price tag is concerned. But now... With again the fact that his front court mate in Robert Williams is sitting out and the fact that he's going to be in a playoff series, I expect those minutes to go up into the low to mid 30s now rather than the high 20s to just 30 minute mark that he's been sitting at throughout the regular season. This is where Al Horford and his veteran presence is going to be needed, and I expect him to get a lot more involved and be at a point where he was. Early on in the season where we started, where we saw him get off to that hot streak, was averaging about 40, 45 DK points at that time, and I believe that he's in a matchup here where he can go ahead and do that, because Boston is looking to stretch out all of those Brooklyn frontcourt resources as much as they can outside to the three-point line, which is what Al Horford is an absolute specialist at, while being savvy enough to be able to take advantage of any of those situations when they do occur. So definitely looking into that. That's going to be it for that game. Moving into the evening games now, and that starts off with the Chicago Bulls taking on the Milwaukee Bucks in what is the highest game total of the night, 229.5, but also tied for the highest spread of the night with the Milwaukee Bucks favored to win by 10.5. And we're going to see that for both this game and the next one is where we have that real blowout scenario to be able to take a look into and have a little bit of mitigation as far as the risk there is concerned. For the injury report, both teams are in a pretty good spot. Chicago, of course, is missing Lonzo Ball, and they continue to have him out for the season, and Matt Thomas as well, uh, outside of Lonzo, no real concern there. And as far as is concerned, the only real side is that Jordan Nawara, who was listed questionable, has been upgraded to probable now, coming into Game 1 as well. So they are also good to go. And we're going to have to obviously keep health in mind as we get later on into the playoff series but as far as game ones are concerned here we are in a pretty good spot and speaking of being in a pretty good spot we're also in a good spot as far as these price tags are concerned on the Chicago side I am starting off plain and simple with Zach Levine 7500 again is just way way too cheap for a guy who is going to be Super involved, has done super well against the Milwaukee Bucks in the two games. Dropped 45 DK points on them there. Shot 41% from three in that matchup. Shot 45% in general from the field. And I expect him to have a massive playoff series, just absolutely personally. Of course, DeMar, who has been the... Chief big guy that's come in for the Chicago Bulls throughout the season was an MVP candidate for a long part of the season but of course has well documented playoff struggles on his end. On the other hand, Zach Levine really has nothing to lose over here. He's coming in as a little bit of an unknown quantity as far as postseason basketball is concerned and I do believe he has the ability to beat that X factor in this series. Given all the other price tags over here, he is going to be a guy that I'm finding in like 70 to 80% of my lineups for that dual eligibility as far as small forward and shooting guard is concerned. And in general, having that matchup that he could go ahead and if they're going to throw Middleton on him, they're going to have to then deal with Demar having a little bit more space. If, if Giannis is going to come on him, then perhaps he's going to be a little bit more of a facilitator as well. In general, I just see that there is a lot of a lot to like as far as Zach Levine's potential stat line is concerned over here. And at 7,500, he is going to be the major guide that I am targeting. And DeMar as well, as much as I don't like the fact that he's listed as purely a power forward throughout this entire matchup, as far as Milwaukee is concerned, has done relatively well, in which he put up 44 DK points a game against them, is coming in on a little bit of a a DK point slump in the last two games there, but I wouldn't look too, too much into a pair of blowouts. What we are looking at is the last game he played against Milwaukee on the 5th of April, he went ahead and dropped 40 on them en route to a 52 DK point night, and at 8,500, I don't think you can go wrong with going ahead and taking him there. That being said, I'm going to go back to my Miami side of things. Jimmy Butler is $100 less, also has that forward eligibility, and in general, I believe is in a better matchup and is a better postseason performer to be able to go ahead and have a little bit more confidence in him. So to me, it's really going to be a lot of Zach Levine and if I'm being a little bit frisky then I may look a little bit on the bottom end in which I'm looking at Kobe White and Alex Caruso to be able to be a little bit more involved as far as the offense is concerned. They're going to be especially on Caruso's end really required as far as the defense is concerned to be in a lot of different matchups to really try and get under Drew Holiday for instance who's obviously going to be the chief architect as far as the point is concerned for the Milwaukee side so for Caruso to be sitting at low 4000s likely going to be needed as far as minutes are concerned to be in the mid to high 30s for them to really feel confident with uh, some of those defensive matchups I expect that he's going to be in a pretty good spot and of course Kobe White we know can get hot at any time as far As as the three point line is concerned, shot six of nine from three in that Charlotte matchup to end the season for them, and in general has been around that uh, mid 20s as far as DK points are concerned. So at 4,300, not a bad spot to be able to put a dual eligibility guy onto your lineup. On the Milwaukee side of things, Giannis, 11,000. When can you ever go wrong with Giannis? That being said, much as I've said throughout this slate in general, there are just so many great options sitting at that seven to 8,000 mark that I may not end up with a lot of these studs. And as much as it pains me to say that Giannis may not be in a lot of my lineups, that's really how it's working out here for me. There's the blowout risk that comes with it. In general, uh, for him to really pay off for me, he'd have to end up dropping somewhere between 55 to 60 as far as DK points are concerned, which he very well could do. But there's just so much more upside to be able to take in that price tag someone like a Kyrie Irving, someone like a Kevin Durant, who are in a tougher matchup, in a matchup in which they're going to need to be that much more involved as far as usage, usage is concerned. And the fact that their other price tags sitting in on the uh, Milwaukee side are also pretty fair altogether. There's just not that much upside that we're seeing as far as the Milwaukee Bucks are concerned. Middleton, he's at a solid price tag of $8,100. he will probably get near 5x for that. We know he's done really well against Boston in series past. He just happens to be one of those guys that's able to get away and really, that Boston defense on notice as he gets them from the outside same thing with Drew 7900 he's in a pretty good spot to be able to go ahead and do well here where I am potentially looking is again those ancillary pieces here Brooke Lopez 4600 has gotten himself back into pretty regular game shape I expect that his playoff minutes are going to go up as they try and get him that much more involved again they're going to have that benefit of going up against Vucevic which is is going to mean that Chicago is going to put more sides out there. They're going to need Brook Lopez there to be able to go ahead and fight against that, one of their premier shot blockers in the league. And, of course, he gives them that option to be able to go ahead and stretch the floor. Uh, between him and Bobby Portis, they're likely going to split a lot of those minutes, though I have a feeling that we might see Brook Lopez start to uh, overtake a little bit there just because they're going to need a little bit more presence on the inside to be able to go ahead and handle all the rim running that Chicago likes to do between DeMar and Zach Levine. So let's see how that ends up work now but at 4600 pretty happy to go ahead and take him there. Moving on to the final game of the night. We have the New Orleans Pelicans going up against the Phoenix Suns 223 and a half game total. The Phoenix Suns favored to win the game by 10 and a half. Of course the New Orleans Pelicans pulling off a sick comeback up against the LA Clippers to go ahead and book themselves a spot in the postseason here and are coming in really with nothing to lose and just a lot of excitement coming through here as far as the injury report is concerned we are pretty good to go as far as New Orleans concerned. Of course, Zion Williamson is uh, clear for one-on-one work, which is obviously interesting there, but he's not going to be playing as far as the postseason is concerned, so he's just sitting out over there. As far as the Phoenix side is concerned, other than Frank Kaminsky, who is out, Landry Shamit, who has been labeled day-to-day ahead of this game over here, he's questionable. We'll see if he's able to go ahead and make it out on the floor. But beyond that, the major rotation pieces are good to go. Starting off on the New Orleans Pelican side, and this is where we again get to see some of these price tags really come in a spot where we could find ourselves taking a good bit of advantage. CJ McCollum sitting at 8,300, which is a solid drop from that 8,900 to 9,000 that he has consistently been over the last week and a half now with how much he's been playing, with how much his offensive usage has been. So for one of those... Guys that we're speaking about in that eight thousand range, he definitely plays a big part in that. Both him and Brandon Ingram are sitting at about that price tag, in which I have a lot of interest in between them. I do believe that this is going to be a matchup that's going to be difficult for them. For from a defensive standpoint, we know that Phoenix is able to lock down most teams there. They're going to be coming in with a lot of confidence. With that ten and a half point spread, I am afraid of a blowout. But in general. I do believe that just from how much offense is going to be needed from both CJ and Brandon Ingram, both of them should be able to get to somewhere near 5x for their current price tags as far as CJ is concerned in the games that he has played up against the Phoenix Suns he did drop 42 DK points on them in the four that he's played throughout the season and in general the most recent game that he played which is back early in March he had a wonderful one there where he dropped 41 DK points and probably could have done a little bit more if he was needed to be on the floor a little bit longer it just came to a point where it was a 16 point blowout and that's really the only concern here as far as their price tags go. But in general, I said that dual eligibility does a lot for me, especially with Brandon Ingram getting that shooting guard and small forward eligibility. We've seen Ingram become that much more involved as far as ball handling is concerned. Over the last little while, we saw that it was a bit of Kind of an odd fit to make sure that Ingram was still getting his usage while CJ kind of became the point guard de facto point guard shooting guard for them with the primary usage. But we've seen Ingram really get back to his normal level of production over the last little bit. Dropped 45 and a half in that game against the LA Clippers as well. Coming in shooting hot last two games well over 57% from the field. So really it all comes down to whether they can keep this game close enough for them to be able to get there. But for him to play 43 minutes, for instance, in that game against the Clippers shows you just exactly what we can expect from these guys if the game can stay even relatively close. And I expect we're going to see them in that 40 minute mark, which is why both Ingram and McCollum are in for me. I'll probably have a little bit more interest in Ingram just because of that price tag and the fact that he's coming in. That little bit hotter as far as his offense is concerned, but we're going to have to see how that ends up working out. As far as the Valanciunas side of things are concerned, his price tag is also super, super interesting to me because of the fact that he is in an absolute matchup where he will be needed. That's always been kind of that concern with Jonas Valanciunas, which matchups in the playoffs are we going to be seeing him getting the minutes total that he really should be. In the four games up against the Phoenix Suns in the regular season, he averaged 33 and a half minutes, dropping 45 DK points on average. So it's absolutely dominated as far as the matchup is concerned. 15 rebounds a game up against them and has had 21 points on average as well. So from my front court perspective, he's probably my favorite front court guy outside of uh, what I spoke about with Al Horford earlier, who, by the way, also has that power forward eligibility, which makes him that little bit more interesting to be able to see if you can slot both of them together. But at 7,300, I expect that he'll absolutely smash that price tag. Definitely looking into that, and we're going to have to see what ends up happening as far as this matchup is concerned. And then the other little wrinkle is Larry Nance, who I don't want to be chasing box scores over here, but he had a 6 game up against the LA Clippers in only 24 minutes, was able to drop 45 DK points and was a huge factor in what allowed them to be able to get back into the game. And I expect that Larry Nance, who came into this team Uh, has been dealing with injuries for a little bit and in general had been dealing with his role kind of being in flux With the playoffs coming in, I expect that that gets clarified a little bit because he is going to be needed. He's always been that tweener as far as power forward, small forward is concerned. He can defend a lot of different positions. And given the fact that he's going to be coming up against a lot of those kind of players on the Phoenix Sun side, I expect that we see his minutes start to rise as well. So definitely keep an eye out on that. 4200 is a very good price tag to be able to go ahead and get Larry Nance in there. Finally, as far as the Phoenix side of things are concerned... There's really only two guys that I have major interest in. I'm not taking Devin Booker here for 9000 I do believe his price tag is very fair. And the fact that he has done pretty well in New Orleans Pelicans matchups up until here, I'm not going to fault you for going about and taking him. I just feel that there's more value to be had uh, at that price tag. I could be saving 1500 and having Zach Levine there. I could be spending a little bit more and getting a Kyrie Irving up in there. So it's just a weird, weird situation in which I wish that Devin Booker given all these other price tags that we're seeing was at about kind of that mid eight thousands range. Then I'd have a little bit more interest in him overall, but really it's going to be Chris Paul here. 7,600 up against another one of his old teams. But of course that's, I mean, it's Chris Paul. He gets petty as hell in any matchup that he can get into, but two games this year against the Pelicans dropped 47 DK points on average. And we know in the postseason is one Chris Paul gets that much more involved on the offensive end, as far as his field goal attempts are concerned. First and foremost, being a guy who's always looking to facilitate, should be in a great spot to be able to get another double-digit assist game. But it's going to be his offense that starts to really take off as he gets more needed in the postseason. Whether we necessarily see that here with the chance that a blowout risk could potentially be happening, I don't know, but still 7600 is a spot in which he should absolutely smash this matchup. I expect him to be somewhere close to 5.5 to 6x as far as his price tag is concerned and he is going to be one of the chief point guards that I am looking at here. And much as I spoke about Valanciunas on one end, DeAndre Ayton, on the other hand, hasn't specifically done well in this matchup. Two games, only played 27 minutes a game in there, dropped 32 DK points on average, but last two games has really found himself in a groove, 44 and 44, 45 DK points in those two matchups there. His price tag has still stayed in that 7,000 range. And again, in the postseason, much as we saw last year, that's when DeAndre Ayton gets himself that little bit more involved here. If we're seeing that Chris Paul is going to be that guy to go ahead and get uh, them Going as far as the offensive end is concerned, a lot of those recipients of catches, lobs, assists in general, is going to be coming to DeAndre Ayton here, because Booker just creates a lot off the dribble for himself. And as good as Jonas Valanciunas is on the offensive end, he has been one of those guys that oppositions do look to target as far as the defensive side of things are concerned, given the fact that, yes, he's great on the post, he's able to defend pretty well over there, but if you can get him in any sort of open space, we've seen that other kind of shifty centers are able to go ahead and take advantage of that and DeAndre Ayton has that little bit of burst to be able to go ahead and take advantage of that matchup there so it's going to be really interesting to be able to see that I think that's a good price tag as well 7,000 and outside of that not looking at too many of these ancillary pieces over here we always know that that you know Jay Crowder uh, Cameron Payne area is one in which they can potentially look at Jay Crowder is the one at 4,200 that I'd probably have somewhat of interest in just because we know that once the playoff comes out he's going to be playing those heavy minutes they're going to need him in a lot of different defensive matchups much as we spoke about Larry Nance at one end being able to do different positions there Jay Crowder can guard up to four positions out on the floor and they're going to need him all over the place maybe not necessarily in this matchup we probably start to see his price tag become more interesting as we get into tougher and more gritty matchups over there but still 4200 is a great spot to be able to go ahead and look at Jay Crowder. But that, as they say, is that for the four matchups that we have for tonight. Moving on to the tier list itself, starting off first and foremost with where I am looking at my expensive pick. And we spoke about the fact that there's so many great options over here, but really it's going to come down to where it is that you're going to be getting that greatest value per dollar. And to me, that is coming in two spots, and I'm just going to mention them together. It's going to be Jimmy Butler at 8400 and then it's going to be CJ McCollum at 8300 I don't think you can go wrong with either of those guys at their price tags. They're going to be super involved all the way through in their respective matchups. Jimmy Butler, to me, that little bit more because of that Atlanta matchup being one that's going to be a little bit closer than a potential one in which Pelicans are going up against the Phoenix Suns and a much better defensive team in the Phoenix Suns. And in general, the fact that Jimmy Butler always turns on his best Jets as far as the postseason is concerned, has done well in that Atlanta Hawks matchup, and expect to see more of that coming into today. As far as my mid-tier pick is concerned, this is again... One of those where you could potentially take two, but I am going to say Marcus Smart is going to be a clear-cut favorite for me. I think 5500 is a crazy price tag to be able to go ahead and get Marcus Smart up in there. I expect he's going to be that much more involved on the offensive end. Is in a great spot to get 6-7x to seven acts as far as his price tag is concerned. Don't be surprised if we see him get somewhere near the 40 DK point mark and his price tag really start to rise. So take advantage of this while you can. And I'm going to give an honorable mention to Zach Levine as well, who's very much in the same kind of position. 7,500 should be able to absolutely smash that price tag as well. Then finally, on the value side of things, I'm going to go ahead and say it's going to be Larry Nance at 4,400. I expect we're going to start to see him get his minutes, continue to be ramped up. He's going to be needed in a lot of different matchups over here, as far as the Phoenix side is concerned. Has done relatively well in the three matchups that he's played up against them, and I think he's in a good spot to be able to get six x and beyond for. This matchup. That is that as far as the DFS side is concerned. So now we get to move right into the Thrive Fantasy side, in which we are seeing that there are just not all that much juice for a lot of these matchups here. There's just guys that I don't necessarily like taking, but I am going to go ahead and say that the CJ McCollum pick. points, rebounds, and assists. I do believe he'll hit the over on that. I expect he's going to really try and set the tone early. As much as Phoenix is the heavy favorite coming into this, the Pelicans have absolutely nothing to lose, and they're coming in playing really good basketball to get themselves into the postseason. So much as I like him in DFS today, CJ is also going to be my pick for Thrive Fantasy there as well. But that is going to bring us to the end of what should be an incredibly fun Sunday as far as the playoffs are concerned. I know Saturday was a great day to be able to watch playoffs from start to end. Sunday is going to be very much the same. And you can follow along with me on Twitter as well at HAK underscore devil on where you can get all of the spiciest takes, all the understandings of what is going on as far as this postseason is concerned and where we could potentially be seeing some of these matchups going. I know there's tons of people that have got their playoff brackets going as well. I've got mine. We'll see what ends up coming through. I've actually got uh, the 76ers taking on the Warriors as far as the finals are concerned over here. I know others have their own picks there, so definitely reach out to me. Let me know where you are as far as the different series are concerned and where you think these matchups are going to end up but until then we'll be seeing you there go let's crush some big gpp tournaments here and i'm going to be back on monday with mike to be able to go ahead and take on the slate then take care and we'll see you soon